Welcome to your Actives Digital Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your digital and media editor. This week, we look at killer acquisitions, a key concept in competition policy that is in dire need of further empirical evidence. For an overview of all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is Euractive's Digital Brief podcast. Today I have not one but two guests, Dr. Reynold Kessler, Research Associate at the University of Zurich. Hello, Reynold. Hello. And Dr. Pauline Affelt, a Research Associate at DIW and at the Technical University of Berlin. Hello, Pauline. Hello. So we are here to talk about killer acquisitions. Could you please elaborate on, on the term? and uh, why this is relevant for competition policy. Killer acquisition involves an incumbent that takes over a prospective entrant solely to discontinue the target's innovation and by this preempt competition. And a study by Cunningham, Edera and Ma shows this for uh, the pharmaceutical industry. And this industry is particularly suited to study the issue of killer acquisitions as projects follow development stages that can be observed. And one may identify the overlap between the acquirers and the target portfolio, so you have a good idea of the next competitor. And Cunningham and co-authors find these killer acquisitions to especially take place just below important notification thresholds of merger control. And these findings... Uh, raised considerable concerns also for the digital sector. For example, in the 10 years leading up to 2020, the GAFAM, so Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft, acquired more than 400 firms, predominantly in the technological sector. These are often young and innovative startups that do not have a large turnover yet. And this is why many of those acquisitions were overlooked and not even reviewed by the competition authorities because they did not reach traditional uh, turnover thresholds for merger control. So we often hear about uh, these killer acquisitions uh, in the terms of hundreds, uh, but you felt there was a lack of empirical evidence. Uh, could you please elaborate on this? I think the problem um, in the digital area is that there is not much, I mean, essentially not not uh, any empirical evidence on this because um, there is no data available. So um, even though the potentially anti-competitive effects of these acquisitions by these big tech companies are a major concern in the policy debate, there's almost no studies on this. And um, this is why we try to provide some first empirical evidence, at least by looking at these acquisitions and see what happens to the acquired firm and their products. And what were uh, your main findings uh, for this research? Maybe let me first um, explain a little bit the data we have. So what we did is we started by collecting a list of all acquisitions by these, in particular, these five companies, so GAFAM for the period 2015 to 2019. Um, these are over 200 acquisitions. And we could then identify 54 of those that also involved an app. And out of these 24 acquisitions um, of apps, actually uh, concern apps that where the app is the main part of the business. So let me give you an example. Also, LinkedIn has an app, but this is not the main part of the business. 
And we then match these acquired apps with a comprehensive web scrape data set covering almost all apps available on the Google Play Store. So for acquired apps, other apps owned by these five companies, as well as competing apps, we observe basically all information that is publicly available. So including whether the app is for pay, uh, whether the app was updated or which kind of uh, data and permissions the app requests. And what we then try to do is we try to quantify the effects of these acquisitions by GAFAM on the acquired apps characteristics in terms of prices, so whether the app is for pay or not, in terms of quality, so which type of permissions the app collects, where permissions are both a measure of functionality, but also the data collected, and innovation approximated by whether the app was recently updated. And what we find is that compared to the whole Play Store, GAFAM seems to target more attractive apps, attractive with respect to updating. So these are apps that are more frequently updated. Attractive with respect to data collection. So these are apps that request more privacy-sensitive permissions and attractive in terms of demand. So they have a large number of installations and ratings. We also see that about half of the apps that are acquired by GAFAM are discontinued post-acquisition. Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft predominantly shelf the acquired apps, and the pattern is less conclusive for Google and Amazon. Uh, we see that apps that are discontinued post-acquisition tend to be smaller apps in terms of user numbers. They are less frequently updated, and they are also less privacy-intrusive than apps that are continued post-acquisition. And following the acquisition, the monetization strategy seems to change. So apps become more frequently free of charge, but they then also request more privacy-sensitive permissions. So they collect more data from the users once they are part of GAFAM. So if I get this right, uh, the tech giants are targeting ads with a broad client base uh, that are innovative and that are essentially uh, providing insights into customers through their data. And when these apps are less interesting, they're just discontinued, so they are off the market following the acquisition. Is that right? It's true that on the one hand, uh, we observe that uh, these apps uh, request more privacy-sensitive permissions once they are part of GAFAM, so they uh, are more privacy-intrusive. On the other hand, we also observe that they become free of charge, which is good news for consumers, maybe to some extent. Um, but it's true that more user data being requested may potentially be privacy intrusive and thus bad for consumers. But we still have to consider that it may also increase functionality. Take, for example, navigation app that requests to track the user's location and this may in turn improve the quality of service. So more privacy-sensitive permissions may also increase functionality. And it's very important to distinguish the two components, so the privacy intrusiveness part, but also the increased uh, functionality. Uh, however, there's still this potential fear that once the app is acquired by GAFAM, user data that is being requested by the acquired app can be transferred uh, to uh, the acquiring firm and um, this is beyond the scope of our paper but it is a justified uh, concern that was also uh, the subject of the facebook whatsapp uh, merger proceedings so i think this is really one uh, consequence that we can um, make of our um, finding that this 
fear uh, was a justified uh, concern in the Facebook WhatsApp um, merger proceedings and one that needs to be also considered in the future uh, proceedings. What we also found, and Paulina mentioned it, that half of the apps that are acquired uh, by Gefam are discontinued post-acquisition. And it is important to note that these are not directly uh, translated to killer acquisitions. So we won't make the claim that these are killer acquisitions because to some extent it can be also an efficient outcome to abandon an app or not maintain an app in the absence of product success um, or um, because of motives like equi-hires or technological transfer because you can also imagine that these apps may to some extent be also financially constrained to commercialize the innovation and distinguishing these mechanisms and identifying killer acquisition uh, would be empirically challenging. If I go back to the uh, pharmaceutical industry and try to compare it with the digital sphere, it's hard um, for once um, to predict uh, the success of certain products. So you don't really know which product is um, then commercialized and really successful on the market and there are also an abundance of products and many entrants that come into the market so you're also not really sure from which market um, potentially um, competing firms might arise and so if we think about a very famous uh, example the takeover by uh, Facebook of Instagram. Uh, back then, it was merely a, a photo app rather than a social uh, network. And it is difficult to assess before whether Instagram would have been developed into a competitor to Facebook. That being said, it was an app with a huge user growth and user base. And maybe one final note on some consequences for businesses that we haven't looked into, but will do in the follow-up paper is the uh, impact on uh, competitors in the relevant product markets. So there are some studies suggesting that the entry or the acquisition by GFM may discourage innovation and entry by others. And I think this is also... Uh, one thing that one needs to also uh, consider in this debate about killer acquisitions in big tech. So if GAFAM companies enter the market, competitors might be less inclined to innovate. You just said we don't know enough about that yet. But from a consumer perspective, uh, what you mentioned is that uh, often these apps are upgraded and there are better services. So from a consumer perspective, why is this a problem? The problem is that with these uh, permissions collected, um, part of this is functionality. So if apps are updated and they add new functionalities, this is, of course, good for consumers. But it also means that these apps collect more data. And then there's also this fear that this data might actually be combined right, with other data that these big tech companies already own. Okay, coming to the uh, policy debate, uh, the Digital Markets Act uh, is the key legislation that intends to regulate uh, big tech. Germany, the Netherlands and France have recently published a non-paper to argue for including um, merger control measures into the DMA. Uh, what is your recommendation to the policymakers, 
is the DMA the right place to to include these provisions, or should it be part of a broader uh, merger control regulation? We contribute at least first empirical evidence to contribute to this debate about whether merger control needs to be updated to account for the particular features of digital industries and um, also whether there has been under-enforcement in the digital um, area. And I think our findings at least highlight that outcome measures other than uh, price and turnover, like, for example, um, data collected, are important in these digital industries. And what is not in this paper, but we what we are looking into now is also that um, innovation, so more long-term, uh, long-term effects should be looked at. And we also see that a large share of apps are discontinued. So it might actually be that these acquisitions are limiting competition um, and they were not reviewed by competition authorities, right? But the DMA, um, in, in the first place, it's a regulatory tool that contains behavioral obligations for these large online platforms, so so-called uh, gatekeepers. And these p- obligations are aimed at reducing entry barriers and promoting entry and ins- ensuring fairness in the relationship between the platform and the different user groups. But Right now, the proposals of the DMA only state that gatekeepers have an obligation to inform the European Commission about their planned acquisitions, right? But it doesn't say anything about merger control and also not whether it means that more and also, um, let's say, smaller acquisition in terms of turnover will be scrutinized. So to me, it's yet unclear what the DMA actually means for merger control in digital areas. And I think the statement you alluded to from Germany, France and the Netherlands, they clearly state that the DMA should be strengthened by being clearer on the scope um, and also highlighting that merger control vis-a-vis gatekeepers should be strengthened. So I think uh, this is important to decide what thresholds for acquisitions by these gatekeeper platforms of targets with low turnover but high value should be. Um, And I think there's already um, some competition authorities that do that, right? So, for example, uh, Germany and and Austria, they already use also transaction value rather than turnover thresholds to to decide whether they investigate a case. I think this will be important to, to discuss. So when actually these cases should be looked into and the DMA is not clear on this yet. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Digital Brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on digital affairs in the world of European politics and policy directly in your mailbox. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. (music)